worship you, Jesus. We give you all the glory. We welcome you here, Lord. I thank you that with the Spirit of the Lord is there's freedom. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here and you bring freedom to your people. And I pray for freedom upon their hearts. I pray for every burden to be lifted off them in the name of Jesus. I pray for breakthrough to be given to every circumstance and situation. We thank you, Jesus. Where you are, there is breakthrough, there is restoration, there is healing. There is deliverance. Where you are, you carry all of them, Lord. And we thank you, Jesus. We declare loudly that whom the sun sets free is free. We declare over our spirit, our mind, our bodies, and our families, and everything that we have control over. We thank you, Jesus, for the victory. You give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And today we stand on your victory alone. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. We declare the blood of Jesus over every person here. And we pray for refreshment upon every person today. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. How are we all today? We good? Ready for today? Amen. Uh, Samantha, I guess Samantha to come up. The reason why I got Samantha to come up is just to is to show you how God communicates. Uh, we just need a microphone. Uh, can we have a microphone, please? Microphone, thanks. So the reason why I um, allowed Sam to share this testimony here is for all the people that have family and children. So you can learn how the Lord wants to carry every aspect of your life and wants to protect every aspect of your life. So I want you to share this testimony. Um, Samantha, you can share it how you want to share it. Don't be nervous. Speak real. How you saw it and what God done. Hello everyone, um, so I have two boys and um, Rab's had a dream, yeah, Rab's had a dream about me about two months ago and that dream just confirmed everything 
and like it was like God was just speaking to me like no one else in the world it was just me and him and that's all he cared about <laughs> sorry your cup overflows yeah that's it. um anyway so my kids have been getting sick a lot um for the last what two months my my youngest son is three months old um and he's been, they've been getting sick quite a bit and I was getting so nervous and my husband and me, we just were like, why are they keep getting sick? And like, we were try praying and trying to declare the word, but it, it wasn't working for us. But that's because our, anyway, we were going through so much. And then I was like, and then one day I was like, I'm, that's it, I'm just going to take him to the doctor. And I've, my older son, who's almost two, I haven't taken him to a doctor since he was six weeks old. So I took him to the doctor and they said to me, oh, they have croup, both of them. And then I heard that and I got so nervous and I got scared. And then we spoke to Rabs and Rita. And then, anyway, I decided not to give them the medication. But they had been getting sick on and off for a while. And then, for me, my biggest fear is something happening to my kids. And then you go on Instagram and you see these reels and you go on Facebook and, like, kids are passing away and sickness and it starts with this and then it's like just like a rabbit hole and you keep going and going and you're instead of declaring faith you're declaring fear and that's what happened and so when I heard croup I just kept getting scared and scared and like more nervous um, and last time Rams had a dream about me I ran away for two months <laughs> so then um, three months and then anyway um, on Saturday I ended up going and we fellowshipped and Rams said um, I have a dream I had a dream about you and I got nervous, <laughs> but I'm like, okay, what was the dream? And then he ended up sharing the dream. Um, in the dream, it was all black, like fog. Yeah, yeah, actually, he'll share that. Okay. Um, first of all, I'd like to thank Samantha for her bravery <coughs> to get up here. We all fight. <laughs> we all fight struggles of all types, and we can sharpen each other in this area. Um, f four or five months ago, the Holy Spirit told me that I need a fellowship with Samantha and Eddie, and that He wanted to spend time, like intimate fellowship, where we start to speak about these deep things, and the Holy Spirit starts to talk like this regarding every situation is different. <coughs> so, so it was from that time, the moment that I told that we're going to start fellowshipping, the Holy Spirit told me that I have to fellowship with you. I'll say in a nice way, she got busy. <laughs> she got busy. So she got busy, and um, I watched her and prayed for her and did whatever I can do. And the Holy Spirit took me in a dream after I knew something's not right with um, Samantha, something's not right. So I got taken a dream, and I'm walking up a dark valley, and it was fog, but it was dark fog. It wasn't a light fog, it was darkness. And Samantha's behind me in the dream, just to show you how the Holy Spirit speaks. Now, we're not here to criticize the doctors. We're not here to criticize their wisdom. Our wisdom is not of... Our wisdom is not of this earth. Our wisdom is above. So each to their own, if I can say it like that. But the wisdom that we carry, it's Christ and Christ alone. 
So, I had a dream that Samantha is walking behind me on a dark valley where there is fog, and we couldn't really go, we couldn't really see where we're going. And behind Samantha, there was two of her children, and and I saw darkness upon the respiratory system. In the dream, and they were like, <sighs> and Samantha's like. Um, uh, Rabbis, my children are sick. They can't make. They can't. They can't make it on you with this journey, as in they can't follow me. I have to stop. I have to stop and see what's wrong with my children. So I said, "Don't look back. You keep following me." And she'll talk to me, and that's in the dream. I would not listen to her. We walk up the mountain, the valley. We climb some large rocks, and we're climbing. We were climbing to the presence of God. And the kids were there. And she say, um, Rabs, why is my children sick? I said, keep following me. Why is my children sick? Keep following me. Why is my children sick? Keep following me. Six times in the dream. And I wouldn't turn back because I understood that she's trying to get results in the natural. Or she's trying to understand what's happening in the natural. And um, we were walking up that valley, and, and the kids were following us, but they were heavy-chested. And I didn't know that the kids were going through what they were going through. They were heavy-chested, and the Holy Spirit was showing her in a dream that you have to get to the presence of God. And we finally got there. We finally got to the presence of God. And in the middle of the presence of God, there was water, healing water. There was a fountain where the presence of God was. So I said, Samantha, you stand here and put your children there. And she, she said, um, uh, why has that happened? I want to know why it's happened. It's like her, her, reasoning, her reasoning for this situation ended up being an attack on God. I'm not going to walk in this area until I know exactly what's happening. And her reasoning ended up being a stumbling block for her. Now, everyone goes through this, but I just wanna, want you to learn that her reasoning ended up a stumbling block that caused her difficulties to walk with Christ regarding her children being healed. And I said, put your children in the water. And after five or six times, she put her children in the water. And they got up with the presence of God over their respiratory system. And they got up healed. But I just want to show you something, how God, God located her. God located her with the very thing that she needs. Why? Because Jesus Christ wants to be sufficient in every way for us. He wants to be our healer, our deliverer, our restorer, our provider. He wants to be everything. And that's how I understood the dream, that so many of us have put Jesus outside our box regarding certain things in our life where it's normal it's normalized to go and inject medicine or whatever it is into children or inject that's a steroid they put a steroid for that and i'm just sharing with you is how jesus wants to be lord over every aspect of our life even for our children and it's very common for our we've done it me and my wife have done it, where we are overprotective on our children. 
and we begin, we, we begin to block what God actually wants to do. So I share with every person here, it's not regarding her alone. It's that Jesus wants to be healer, restorer, deliverer, provider. He wants to cover every aspect of our life because that's who he is for our life. And I just want to encourage you to open your hearts because the Holy Spirit took me on that dream showing her where true healing comes from, comes from the presence. Isn't it interesting that reasoning and compromise led her to step outside of the presence? And it's something to learn. Out of this whole dream, I take that one as to be the pillar. Reasoning and compromise takes you away from the presence because you want answers in the natural where they're not given only by the Spirit. So I encourage you just to learn from that. Okay, thank you, Samantha. Thank you for emptying my water, too. No, that's all she probably said, oh, I was going to pick up any out of his water. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that months before the Holy Spirit came to me, you can ask my wife, and I said, the Holy Spirit is telling me I have to fellowship with them. And isn't it interesting that the Holy Spirit wants to fellowship with us to bring, to bring the very thing that Satan's trying to infiltrate and attack. Isn't it interesting that through fellowship you can see the signs and the tactics and the plots of the enemy. Isn't that right? So, so what was the first principle? The first principle that I preached about, not the spirit of Goliath, I preached after it. I preached about the, the first principle being? Good. Second principle? Repentance and recognizing sin. Good. Third principle. Who wants to have a go at it? Just, uh, just one verse. All right. Mary, we'll go Mary first. Yeah, it's all right. It's good. I think from last week, I think 60 answers. Isn't it? I said, I'm going to go back to children's ministry. <laughs> so, Jesse, can we go to Mary for her, please? So the, next, so, the third principle. What do you think? So, I'm teaching a lot of people want to understand. I won't say a formula but an understanding how to walk with God, right? Isn't that crucial that you know that habit is everything? Habit is everything. Day by day, it's everything. And imagine not producing the right foundation when you walk with Christ, right? Isn't it important that your foundation is settled? So truth. Truth is given first when you become born from above or born again. Second one, after you read truth, repentance follows. What's the third principle you reckon that God begins to focus on? So whoever looked at my notes can't answer. Um, I'm going to answer baptism. Baptism? Yeah. Okay. So I'm looking for more of a... Relationship. 
Amen. Okay, so baptism, relationship. Anyone else want to have a go? Commitment. Amen. Discipline. So, truth. Repentance. What do you think? Them? So, sanctification. Obedience. Faith. Well, I'm gone upstairs. I'm gone upstairs. No, I'm not going to give the answer. So, 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 you as a believer, just picture your life now. I, I've, I've gotten truth in me. I've repented, which is, a, which, is, which is scriptural. The first thing to do is, is repent when the truth is being preached. What's the third principle you reckon? Surrender. Renew. Oh, sorry. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. <laughs> so renew your mind. Sonia. Submission. I can't. <laughs> George, you want to come preach? George, you want to come? <laughs> What's that? Character. Restoring your joy. They're all right. I'm not going to say they're wrong, but I'm Peace. looking for the third principle. Peace. Peace. It's good. Close. Close. What's that, sorry? Love. Who said love? Mary. Uh, give Mary a clap, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so Georgina and Mary said love. We'll give them two. They beat both at the same time. So the love of God is the, is the third foundation, right? Okay, so let me show you here. We go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 to 10. Now, I share this with you. The Holy Spirit gave me the scripture to lay the foundation. And it will be a way that you've never heard it before. I never saw it like that until he actually let me see it. So I'll share it with you. But I thank God that it's getting deeper. So let's, let's read the scripture. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 to 10. Now, this is the foundation of love, everyone. Yes? It all begins with Christ. God is love. So, 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, this is the foundation of what we build on. Amen? It says, In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the preparation for our sins. Amen? That is the foundation of who we are today. Amen. Now, we're going to take a different approach. Now, that is the foundation. 
now I was, I'll probably go there. I'll probably go there, but I don't want to explain it too much. But I just want to, I want to raise that with you because I think it's healthy for me to raise this scripture. I don't want to focus on this scripture. I don't want to go into it. And I, I feel like I'm not giving it justice by not explaining it the way that the Holy Spirit let me see it. But I just want to bring it to you just to show you uh, what the love of God does. Okay? So if you can go to First John chapter 2, verse 12 to 17. Now, I, wasn't, I don't want to spend too much time there. But I just want to show you the levels. Okay? Now, isn't it interesting that the first level of God's love is the first verse? You cannot move forward. The reason why I'm bringing it to you because you cannot move forward until you've received the first result of the cross or the first result of the love of God. It's very important that you know this. There are different foundations here as well. He's talking to three different levels of believers here in the scripture. So it says here, um, from 1 John chapter 2, verse 12 to 17, it says, I am writing to you, little children. So this is the level of a person who's just received Christ. It says, I'm writing to you, little children, believers, the ones, because your sins have been pardoned for his name's sake. Now let's stop right there. For the name of, for the sake of Christ, you have been forgiven. And it's not your doing. And let's establish that now. It's for, this, for the sake of his name, you are fully forgiven. That's, that's on the sake of his account for us. Whether you believe it by faith, that's up to you. And it, this is, the Holy Spirit wanted me to cement that for the sake of his name, you have been fully forgiven and pardoned. That is the first major foundation that allows you to mature. For the sake of His name, you have been fully forgiven. That is the doorway to repentance. So I'm writing to you, little children, believers, D1, because your sins have been, have been forgiven for His name's sake. You have been pardoned and released from spiritual debt through his name because you have confessed his name, believing in him as Savior. I am writing to you, fathers, those believers who are spiritually mature, because you know him who has existed from the beginning. Now, the Holy Spirit showed me what fathers mean, but I don't want to go there and I don't want to give it, I don't want to. Not give it justice, because there's so much value in that. But I just want to bring that to you, the first scripture most. That for the sake of his name, you have been fully forgiven. That's his work and his work alone. That's the doorway for the Holy Spirit to work in that way. For you know that Jesus has fully forgiven you. It says, I'm writing to you, fathers, those believers who are spiritually mature, because you have known him who has existed from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, those believers who are growing in spiritual maturity, because you have been victorious and have overcome the evil one. Now he's talking about the next step. The first step is what? The first step is what? 
knowing that you have been forgiven. The second step, isn't that interesting, that your line of defense against Satan is forgiveness. Isn't that interesting, that he comes with guilt, condemnation, uh, reminding you of your past, reminding you of your old nature. Isn't that interesting that in the beginning when you're, when you're, tr you're walking in that place of sanctification and you're trying to uh, uh, get above that place, he keeps attacking you in these areas. So it says here now, the first stage is to be forgiven for his namesake. The second stage is that you're growing now in spiritual maturity. Okay, this is all for the sake of love. Now, they're growing in spiritual maturity because you have been victorious and overcome the evil one. I have written to you, children, those who are new believers, those spiritually immature, because you have come to know the Father. What's that mean? The Father's love. It's the Father's love. Why is it the Father's love? Because Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws them. It's the Father's love that prompted Jesus to come to you. Now, I don't want to give it too much time. I have something else to go. But I'm just showing you here. Those spiritually immature because you have come to know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has existed from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and vigorous, and the word of God remains always in you, and you have been victorious over the evil one. You start to see the stages. The first stage is knowing that you have been forgiven by Jesus alone, and that is his work alone. Second one, you become, you're starting to grow in spiritual maturity by having the Word of God in you and always applying it to your life in every aspect. Third one is the Father's. I'm not going to share that today because it's too much. What makes a father, a spiritual father in the faith is so powerful. Okay, so we start to understand where love of God focuses on. So now... Let's turn to the scripture the Holy Spirit showed me. So let's go to Philippians, everyone. We go to Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 to 11. Now this is interesting because here he gives us a mystery. And let's see it. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 to 9, uh, 1 to 11. It says, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and with the deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, I'm not going to explain the first four scriptures. That's for another day. I'm going to explain where I feel the Holy Spirit was leading me. It says, being confident of this very thing, 
that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, isn't that interesting, this scripture here? Isn't that interesting? That he who began a work will complete it. Now, can I say this humbly? Every person starts with a good work, right? How many people start with a good work? They accept Jesus as their Savior, and everything is burning with them, with passion, desire, zeal, hunger, thirst. And they start to do life, and they start to get swayed back and forth. Right? That's everyone in the beginning. And you don't have to put your hand up for that. But here, he's showing you there's a condition here for Christ to finish his work. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, there's a condition in this scripture I'd like to speak about. Let's keep going. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you with the affection of Jesus Christ. Now, this is the condition. Are we ready? This is the condition for Christ to, who has begun a good work in you when he called you that he completes it. And he says, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. That you may approve the things that are excellent Number two, now he's showing you what the love of God actually produces. Are we listening, someone? He's showing you here what the love of God actually produces. First, it produces what? Knowledge, discernment. Here, you may approve the things that are excellent. Three, number four, that you may be sincere. And the biggest one is the bottom one. Until when? <laughs> Until he comes back. <laughs> Shows you how clean your heart has to be. Because you will get hurt. You will be attacked from inside and outside the church. You'll go through troubles. You'll go through struggles. And he is showing you how your love is perfected and he'll complete it until the day of Christ. He shows you all these conditions for a believer to get to that place. So we go back again. Can we go back, please? First condition, that you, that you obtain knowledge. Now, I'm going to preach about it, but not this week. I'm going to preach about what knowledge and discernment is according to the Scriptures. And you start to see, wow, I never saw it like that. And I thought to myself, wow, how structured the Word of God is. Unless the Holy Spirit shows you, you'll never see it. So here, love produces the true love of God produces knowledge and discernment. Next scripture, please. That you may approve things that are excellent. Number three, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. 
being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now see that there. Six principles which produces one area of God's love. Did you ever see that like that? He's starting to show you something beyond the cross. And I'm going to share with you how the Holy Spirit, let me see that. And I want to share with you. So just to rephrase quickly, there's a condition on God finishing the work in you. Love is formed by knowledge and discernment, that you may prove the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with righteousness. Now, isn't it interesting that being filled is something that's poured into you? Right? It's something that's poured into you. So you start to see, okay, there are different aspects that I have to work on. There are different things that God gives. But it's all by the Holy Spirit. Now, I'd like to bring this to your attention. I'm going to focus on number one, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will complete it. Now, I want to focus my teaching around this. What does that mean for us today? We go to Romans chapter 8, verse 26 to 30. Now, everyone has this on their Facebook page or their T-shirts or as their message of encouragement. And it is true. But let's go deeper than that. It is true. But... There is a deception in this scripture also that many people don't read the next scripture. So I'd like to read it today. Now, it's talking about our victory in Christ, right? Now, let's read it. It says, In the same way, the Spirit comes to us and helps us in our weakness. Now, you're going to see which weakness that is. We do not know what to pray or to offer or how to offer it is as we should, but the Spirit Himself knows our need and at the right time intercedes on our behalf with sighs and groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because the Spirit intercedes before God on behalf of God's people in accordance with God's will. And we know, and we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God. Now, who is it that loves God? Now, let me bring this to your attention. We, we've analyzed And remember this scripture. And thank God for this scripture. But look what it says after that. It says those who... It says, As a plan for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His what? So so where does the love of God navigate you now? Where does the love of God navigate you towards? A plan and a purpose. Now, how many people are trying to be loved by God outside of His plan and outside of His purpose? 
This is something that you should think about. How many people here are trying, are trying to be, are trying to approach God through love without His plan and His purpose being established? Now you think about that. How many people, how many people today claim they love God without a plan and a purpose being established in them? Now, where does the love of God focus on? I read it there in, 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 Phili in Philippians. Where does the love of God focus on? Let's rephrase. Knowledge, discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense and be filled with righteousness. You see, love on its own, it's not love. Something you need to know. You know, so many believers today, they're stuck on the cross and they haven't passed from the cross. Why? Because that's the only love they know about now. Isn't that true? That's where love is birthed, but that's not, it's not meant to keep you there. It's to produce something inside of you. Are we listening, someone? I'm not preaching to myself here, am I? Love by, <laughs> love by itself, it's... It's a deception. Without fruits and principles being fulfilled in you, it's a deception. And how many Christians today? Oh, thank God, Jesus loves me. What love and what work has he done inside of you? You see, all those principles I spoke about Philippians, that's Paul. Crucify Paul, don't crucify me. That's Paul's teachings. That's Paul's teachings. He said that you are what? To grow more in his love. And we as Christians, shallow in this area. But the Holy Spirit brought it to my attention that every, every place of God's love focuses on one area of your life. Now, isn't it interesting here? Look what it says here. He says, I'll read it again. It's a plan, Right? For good for those who love God to those who are called according to his plan and his purpose. Now, can I ask you something today? And please don't get upset with me. If I was to come to you today and ask you, what's your plan and purpose on earth? What would you say? Jesus at the cross. Can I say that? Many people will take me back to the cross. But Jesus will take that back to you. What, what work of the cross has he actually done inside of you? So look here what it says here. For those whom he foreknew and loved and chose beforehand, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son and ultimately share in his complete sanctification. Now here he talks about a plan. He talks about God's love being a plan and a purpose. Then he talks about here to be conformed like Jesus himself. You start to see the area where he focuses on? Plan, purpose, and being the image of Jesus, which is a gift, where he sanctifies you. So you start to see where love focuses on. Philippians chapter 1, six principles. Here, three major principles. So that he would be the firstborn, the most beloved and honored among many believers. And those whom he predestined, he also called and those whom he called, he also justified. 
declared free from the guilt of sin, and those whom he justified he also glorified, raising them to a heavenly dignity. So you start to see, you start to see where the love of God focuses on. What does it focus on? When you hear all these um, principles, what does that tell you? When you hear all these principles, what does that tell you? You, get it, you better be busy. You better be busy with the Lord. Isn't that right? You start to see every, you start to see every condition with a blessing or with a promotion, and you start to see the areas that you are to focus on. Now, I never saw it like that until the Holy Spirit let me see it. That love has many layers, has many layers, has many foundations. Can we go to... No, I'll, I'll, I'll keep going here. So, the word plan, the word plan, I took that from the Webster's Dictionary, whoever wants to follow there. The word plan and purpose, so the word plan means a method for achieving an end. Isn't that interesting that a plan is not focused on the beginning? It's focused on the end result. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting that it shows you how your vision must be clear on where you're going for Christ. Isn't that true? Isn't it interesting that, I said this humbly, where Christians' vision is only what Jesus done at the cross. And, 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 and believe me, our foundation is the cross, but it's the beginning for us. Isn't it interesting here, it says, a plan is a method for achieving an end. What, what is our end result? The whole New Testament talks about it. What does it talk about? The coming of the Lord. Be ready. Be dressed. Lamps. Clothed. Our, our plan now is that when Jesus comes, he finds us faithful, cleansed, and true before him. You know that? It's not about Jesus already came. He already died. He already forgave you. Now, you have a responsibility. How is he going to find you when he comes? And he's going to come. He's going to come. But how is he going to find you when he comes? Each one has to give an account for their own life. But isn't it interesting that in my whole journey of Close to 10 years now, I don't know exactly how long, I've understood the process, the plan. And I've never taken my eyes off that because it's a work that forever is done until you see Christ. But can I say it like this here? Bit of wisdom here. I love God. It's deeper than you just saying I love God. It's a very deep. I love God. Jesus demands fruits from that. So let me go. A plan, uh, go back to it. A plan is a method for achieving an end. A plan, an, an often customary method of doing something like a procedure. 
What is a plan? It's a procedure. It's a process. A plan, a detailed formula of a program or an action. That's what it defines as. A detailed or an ordinary arrangement. So the word purpose, the word purpose now, is from the Strong's, whoever is following, 4286, is processes. The word is um, processes. <laughs> so the word purpose is processes. And, and it means your intention. What is your intention? It means proposal. You know what a proposal is? Is someone like proposing like a, a new plan to build a whole new building, meaning your building cannot walk anymore, which is yourself. Your, your building has to be demolished. And it's true. And isn't it interesting that the hardest work is when we have to get out of the way and do it Christ's way. That's a process. The next word, purpose, is determination. You begin to ask, what is your determination every day? What is your determination every day? Someone will say, it's my family. Someone will say, it's my workplace. Someone would say, my dreams and my goals. I'm not saying anyone here. But truth be told, you can begin to see what is your determination. You know the determination of the New Testament believers was what? The coming of the Lord. <laughs> so the purpose is your intention from day to day, your intention, your motivation. Number, number two, your proposal, determination. Isn't it interesting that love has, a, love has a voice? Love has a voice. And it tells you to work on all those areas. Okay, now the dangers. Let's, let's, I have to, I, I can't help myself. The dangers of not knowing his plan and his purpose leads to this. So I diagnose, I, di I diagnose for, for, all the, for all the troubles in a person's life, or all the challenges in a person's life, or all mishap in a person's life, it comes down to you not knowing his plans and his purpose. We go to Luke chapter 12, verse 16 to 24. The danger of not knowing his plan and his purpose allows, one, allows this to happen. Luke chapter 12, verse 16 to 24. He says, Then he told them a parable, saying, There was a rich man whose land was very fertile and productive, and he began thinking to himself, What shall I do? since I have no place large enough in which I should store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my storehouses and build larger ones. And I'll store all my grain and my goods there. And I'll say to my soul, you have many good things stored up enough for many years. Relax, rest and relax. 
eat and drink and be merry, celebrate continually. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own all things you have prepared? So it is for the one who continues, now listen to this, so it is for the one who continues to store up and hoard possessions for himself and is not rich in his relationship towards God. Now, not knowing his plan and his purpose, one of the areas leads to this. Keep going, please. Uh, 24, is it? That's it. Now, isn't it interesting that Jesus says this after that? Isn't it interesting Jesus says this after this? Look what he says here. Jesus said to his disciples, so he gave a parable showing them what can happen to people. And can I tell you something? Can we go up one second? Can we go up one second? All this here, all this scripture is summed up here. Jesus diagnoses why someone, why someone continues to seek and serve this world. You know what it is? Worry. Worry. Now look here. Jesus said to his disciples, For this reason I tell you, someone that hasn't dealt with worry, that has many deep foundations, will naturally go to store up more crops for himself. Why? What does worry produce? Fear of the future. Look what Jesus said. Is it is an accident he just put it right under there? He shows you why people can't gather for Christ. Why people find it so hard to, so hard to gather for Christ is because they are full of worry that Jesus can't look after them. Jesus said to his disciples, For this reason I tell you, do not worry about your life, as to what you eat or about your body, as to what you wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow seed nor reap the crop. They have no storehouse or barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? Now, isn't that interesting? That top scripture there is, is one major reason why people cannot know his plans and his purpose. So the dangers of not knowing his plans and his purpose, we go now to Luke 14, 25 to 35. Now, isn't it interesting that the title is called Disciples Being Tested? Now, large crowds were going along with Jesus. Now, isn't it interesting why he said large crowds? You know why he said large crowds? Because there won't be many large crowds when you actually begin to follow him. And he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, 
in the sense of indifference to or relative disregard for them in comparison with his attitude towards God. He cannot be my, my disciple. Whoever does not carry his cross expressing a willingness to endure, what is it? Whatever may come. So many people have this fancy thought in their mind that they're gonna, everything's going to be so good and everything's going to go well for me and then disappointment, troubles, tribulation, trials come and what happens? They fall away. You will face challenges. But what did Jesus say? But take heed, I have overcome the world. We have the one who is living in us that is greater than this, the one in the world. But I just share with you here the dangers of not knowing his plans and his purpose, which is one of these, would allow you what? That when it comes, it will overwhelm you. Those attacks come, they will overwhelm you because you would not know how to combat them because you didn't even believe they can actually come to you. Whoever does not carry his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come and follow after me, believing in me, conforming to my example in living, and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me, cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build, now look at this here. Now he's talking about here, building now. Otherwise, when he's laid the foundation, oh, sorry. so which one of you, when he wants to build a watchtower for his guards, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to finish it? Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is unable to finish the building, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Isn't that interesting? that without a plan and a purpose, your building will be destroyed. How many people have a plan and a purpose of the things that they're going to go through for the sake of Christ where they're prepared to endure and keep on going? Isn't that interesting? That he talks about a building here. And he who began a good work, yes, he's laid the foundation, the cross, now you have a building to erect. And so many people don't understand how to erect their building or how to build their building. So troubles come, tribulations come, they're tested, and what happens? The building is unable to finish. It's too hard. I don't think I can, I can be that person. But that's what Christ says over you. Christ says that over you. Let every man be a liar, but God be true. Christ has said that over you. This man began to build and he was not able to finish it. Or what king, when he sits out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one who is coming against with 20,000? Or else, if he feels he is not powerful enough while the other king is still a far distance away, he sends an envoy and asks for terms of peace. So then, none of you can be my disciples who does not carefully consider the cost, and then for my sake, give up all he, his own possessions. Therefore, salt is good, 
But if salt has become tasteless, with what would it be seasoned? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ear to hear, let him hear and heed to his word. Now, isn't that interesting, this scripture here? Now, this all, is, this all comes down to what? The dangers of not knowing his plans and his purposes. And when Jesus calls you, Jesus calls you to follow him. Can I say it in this way? He takes no pleasure in the one who looks back. Can I say it like this? All the people here have a foundation of Christ. Every person here has a foundation that they are believers and they are walking with Christ. It's time to move forward now. You start to see all the areas where the Holy Spirit's bringing you foundation, growth, maturity. Focus on all these areas. The Holy Spirit's bringing it to you, the areas that He wants you to focus on. So the dangers of not knowing his plans and his purpose, we go to 1 Peter chapter 1. And I chose this photo, you know why? Because there's a healthy soil there. Uh, Daniel chose that photo, sorry. There's a healthy foundation here. It is true. When the Holy Spirit started to prompt us to move forward, it's a healthy foundation here. Now look at this here. Now here, the danger of not knowing his plan and his purpose, in this scripture he speaks about ignorance. We read it here. So think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Now isn't that interesting? What is his focus now? What is the focus now? The coming of the Lord. He's not talking about what Jesus done at the cross anymore. He's talking about the coming of the Lord to us now. Yeah, next. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time as foreigners in the land. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Amen. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but he has now revealed him to you in these last days. We are in the last days, my friend, and we have a lot to focus on, a lot to work on, and it's true. You know, 
you know what puzzles me is when I speak to other believers and they don't know where the Holy Spirit's working. That's what puzzles me. That we don't give him enough value to him and the Holy Spirit to actually work in us and to bring us to this platform where we're growing and we're maturing. And I take it back to one major thing, the dangers of not knowing his plans and his purposes. Which comes down to what? You not really loving God in the way that you should. We have no excuse anymore. Can I tell you something? And you may uh, find this alarming. The Bible says that judgment begins in the house of God. Does that mean that, that grace has run out for them? Does that mean that the grace of God has run out for them? If judgment begins in the house of God and people will die, people will get sick, and God will begin to judge his people, does that mean God's grace has run out for the people? It certainly does. It actually does. And Hebrews 6 tells you very clearly that it does. Because we've received the truth, we've received the Holy Spirit, and we've received everything that the Lord wants to give us. So when God's judgment begins in the house of God, who is he judging? Paul says to judge the inside the body, God will judge the people outside. And so many people are scared today to, to call out sin or to call out someone who's living an inappropriate life. And it's true. So many people are scared of doing that. But the, the Bible tells us that we have to judge inside the body. For what reason? So we won't, we won't perish with the world. Jesus doesn't want us to perish with the world. He's given us a truth. He's given us the precious Holy Spirit in us. And we have no excuse anymore. We actually have no excuse. And the Bible says in Paul that God demonstrated the uttermost mercy in him to show he can save the filthiest of sinners. And it's true, he can. But we have no excuse anymore. When you understand this, when I saw that scripture, I was cut to my heart. That if judgment comes upon the that judgment begins in the house of God. Does that mean the grace of God has run out for those people? If someone who continuously sins and doesn't want to turn, yes, judgment will come upon him. And it's the truth. It is the truth. If, if someone, if a believer doesn't want to repent and wants to continue in his filth, yes, God will fight for him in every way. But if judgment begins in the house, we are to judge the body. We are to speak truth in love to each one and to help people overcome all the things that are in this world. And it's true. We are so scared. We tiptoe. We tiptoe around so many people because we're so scared to speak the truth. You know why? Because we are not in the truth. When we are purely in the truth, our reflection will intimidate and allow people to turn. And that's something... That's something that I've been fighting for for many years. Paul says we are to judge the body in love to turn people from perishing. Paul talks about snatching people from the fire. Don't be scared today. First to live the truth and to help people towards the truth. And I share with you here that you know 
that you may know that it is the truth. Judgment begins in the house of God. God will judge the outside. We are the judge inside. In love. And it's the truth. It is the truth. If we really care about each other, we'll tell people the truth. If we really cared. Because it's eternal life. So through Christ you have come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. For you have been born again but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scripture says, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. Their grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. So can I share something with you? When I first got saved, you have to hear this. When I first got saved, I was having dreams every single night. And I got taken to a table. And this can reflect to the dream about the barns. I'll, I'll knock down um, one barn and I'll build another barn to fit all my crop in it. Yes, you with me? So this is regarding uh, loving money. And please, just hear it from my heart. I got taken in a dream, and there was a massive table, and I was in England. And I got taken to a massive table, and there was so much money there. And the man, the man, the man, he was choking on money, but he died in the dream. And the Holy Spirit came to me, and you know what he said to me? He said, when I bless you, and I give you a platform to preach... This is nine years ago. He goes, when I give you a platform to preach, don't profit from my name. And he said, one thing I also tell you, I will be your provider. This is what he told me nine years ago. And I saw the man and his name in the dream. So I googled the, his name. I googled his name. And that man was a minister of God. And I don't say this to put fear in you, but I'll tell you the truth. The man was a minister of God. He started, he started with a pure heart. He started with the love of God. He started with an amazing foundation. He led millions to the Lord. And guess what happened? He died a violent death in his house. What I saw in my dream. And fear, the fear of God came in my heart. You know why? Because... We were bought at a precious price. And can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? That man was a man of God who started with purity and love, with a hunger and a zeal, with truth. And to be honest, anyone can fall. I don't promote it, but it can happen to anyone. And yes, God can fight for people. But if someone doesn't want to repent, God gives them over to their own desires. And that man didn't want to repent. 
the love of money, the love of money got the best of him, and he choked on that money, and he died. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, I am your provider. And I never forget that day. And it's just interesting why I, I share it with you, because we're scared. Now, people can uh, criticize or try to be a Pharisee in the body, but the true objection of this church here is through the love of God, we try to change people. And it's the truth. Now, we go to Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. I keep going with this since I'm talking about. So the dangers of unknowing his plans and purpose. What is the greatest opponent from all this teaching? What is the greatest opponent from all this teaching? Money. Money, which is birthed by what? Worry. Now, you want to? I, I preached this scripture a long time ago. Does anyone remember? Anyone remember? No? You remember? Good job, bro. You want to share it, David? Or you don't? You're not sure? Not fully sure, but you remember. Nice one, nice one. So it says here, Matthew 12.30. You know Jesus has a plan for you? It's what? To gather like he gathered. To seek and save the lost. That's his plan for you. Look at Satan's plan. For he who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Okay? Now look at this here. It will shock you. Jesus said, I give you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and by no means shall they ever harm you. Right? That word there, scatter, is scorpizo, scorpion. Okay? So let's see here. The one who doesn't gather with Christ, does he just scatter and go nowhere? So let's say we are all called before the foundation of the universe to walk in the fruits and works that Jesus prepared for us, right? So if, someone's, if someone doesn't gather with Jesus, does that mean they scatter to nothing? Or do they scatter to something? Now let's see, I'll show, I'll show you what it means. So the word whoever is following, the word is scorpizo, 4650. The word is scorpion. Are you ready? Are you ready, everyone? The dangers of unknowing his plans and his purposes allows you naturally to focus on yourself. Now look at this here. The word scatter is scorpizo, which is in the English scorpion. So when he said, I'll give you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, to step on them, what was he really actually saying? Look. What others may collect for themselves. That's the, that's the translation of that word. 
what others may collect for themselves. Of those who are routed or terror-stricken or driven by some other impulses. The next one is to fly in every direction. Now, what does it mean to fly in every direction? So the word there, the one who doesn't gather with me scatters, he's went after to collect for himself. Proverbs 23.5 talks about flying in every direction. We go there, please. Now look, read it. How the Bible all comes together and you start to see. Jesus gave me authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. What is a scorpion? What is a serpent? You start to see here. When you set your eyes on wealth, it is suddenly gone, for wealth certainly makes itself wings. What's that description of scorpion? Fly in every direction. When you set your eyes on wealth, though God will bless you, he'll give you everything for your enjoyment in portion. It is suddenly gone, for wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies to the heavens. So you start to see the greatest blockages of his purpose is what? Not knowing how to love God. All those foundations I preached to you about were based on number one, a condition. So every foundation of the love of God focuses somewhere. Is the love of God by itself alone? It's not alone. It focuses on an area. We go to, we go to James chapter 1, verse 1 to 12. I want you to get this, please. That the love of God by itself is a deception. Love always produces something. So here, James chapter 1, verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, he's talking about trials now, right? He's talking about trials of many kinds. Now, next one. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now he's talking about growth. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives you generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Those who doubt should not think they will receive anything from the Lord. Now, I just read you the three scriptures about testing, perseverance, not lacking anything, and coming to maturity, right? Now, this scripture is regarding all that, that a believer is not able to come to all those. He's a double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble, in humble circumstances or to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, 
since they will pass away like a wildflower. Isn't it interesting that everything that gets in the plan of the Lord has to do with money? Can you see it? Everything that gets in the way of God's plan and purpose is worry that prompts you to serve money. If, 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 if you can't see that, I don't know. Now, let's say it like this. Me not committing to God and me not committing to the process is because I have a wor- worry for wealth that I'm going to be looked after by God. If I can say it in that way. Can I, can I question you? I'll save it for later. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, it blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Next one. Now, here's the blessing. Regarding what? Love of God. Blessed are those who persevere under trial because when they have stood the test, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean to love God? Is to accept. Accept His plan and purpose to be cleansed, to be restored. For what reason? For what reason? That you become mature, not lacking anything anymore. So you begin to seek. And you probably, you probably say, the, dan- the greatest dangers of not entering his plan, his purpose, is worry. Worry allows you to seek security. And I pray by God's grace you can actually see this. Worry goes for security. Trust goes after faith. Trust goes after God's word. Worry goes after security. Isn't that true? If you can't see it, I don't know. But you start to see what the greatest blockage of a plan and a purpose with God is. How can I continue to live my life in God's protection or in God's abundance or in God's provision? It's already looked outside. I'll go for one more scripture and that's it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 to 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 to 16. And this is all of what love focuses on. So whoever wants to take notes, James chapter 1, verse 1 to 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 to 16. Tells you on all the areas where love focuses on. Now look at this here. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 to 16. Yet we do speak wisdom among those spiritually mature believers who have teachable hearts and a greater understanding. Yet we do speak wisdom among those spiritually mature believers who have teachable hearts and a greater understanding. But it is a higher wisdom, not the wisdom of this present age, nor the rulers and leaders of this age who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The wisdom once hidden from man, but now revealed to us by God, that wisdom which God predestined before the ages to glory, to lift us into the glory of where? His presence. We're seated where? In heavenly places now. We have the mind of Christ, the purpose of Christ, the will of God in us now. We have no, more, no excuse anymore. I'm sorry, but we have no excuse anymore. We are believers who have accepted Christ. Now it's time we, we move forward now. None of the rulers of this age recognized and understood this wisdom. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written in Scripture, think, things which the eye has not seen and the ears has not heard and which have entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. You see, love has a procedure. Love by itself is, is a deception. Love has a procedure. Look what it says here. The things which the eye has not seen and the ear has not heard and the things which have entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him, who, who hold him in affectionate reverence, who obey him and who gratefully recognize the benefits that he has bestowed. So you start to see love by itself, it's not true. Love has a procedure. Love has a plan. Love has a purpose. So when you say you love God, it's a work you're working towards. Of what He actually done for you. For God... For God has unveiled them and revealed them to us through the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things diligently, even sounding and measuring the profound depths of God, the divine counsels, and things far beyond human understanding. For what person knows the thoughts and motives of a man except the man's spirit within him? So also no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, that's it right there. The love of God is the enemy of the spirit of the world. But the Holy Spirit who is from God, so that we may know and understand the wonderful things freely given to us by God. We also speak of these things, not in words taught or supplied by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit. Combining and interpreting spiritual thoughts with spiritual words for those being guided by the Holy Spirit. 
But the natural, now look at this here, but the natural, unbelieving man does not accept the things, the teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness, absurd, illogical to him. And he is un incapable of understanding them because they are spiritually discerned and appreciated. And he is unqualified to judge spiritual matters. But the spiritual man, the spiritual mature Christian, what does he do? He judges all things. What does the true love of God do? Judges all things. It judges all things, questions everything. Don't question me. Examines and applies what the Holy Spirit reveals, yet is himself judged by no one. The unbeliever cannot judge and understand the believer's spiritual nature. For who has known the mind and purpose of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ to be guided by the, his thoughts and purposes. You start to see where the love of God, where the final destination of the love of God, purpose. Jesus has written your life on his book. Can I say something to you today? Please hear me. Jesus has written your life in his book. Everything that you walk in, everything that you will produce for him, and it can be so easily lost. You know that? It can be so easily lost from our sight. Jesus has written every book. The book of Paula, book of Jesse, book of Tammy, He's written all our books and yet we know him in a shallow way and it's true. Who, who would think there is, a, there is a love that Christ wants us to inherit that he founded where there are so many branches and so many fruits and it's true. A lot of people say, how do you love God? How can you love God? Thank you, Jesus, for the cross every day. Yes, yes. But there is more. It's internal work now. It's here. It's here. It's your walk. And it has to show. The true love of God has to show if it's really inside of you. And you start to see all the aspects. And the greatest enemy, what is the greatest enemy of not knowing his thoughts and his purposes? Worry. Worry is the get greatest enemy of the cross because it teaches you about security. And when security comes in your heart, you control your life. Right? So the Holy Spirit takes a bit of your security. Oh, Lord, give it back, give it back. The Holy Lord, discipline me. I've got to remove your security. Give it back, give it back. When I knew what the Holy Spirit needed to do inside of me, I didn't resist anymore. Yes, it was a struggle, but it's worth it. He's the truth. It's worth it. But imagine you saying, Lord, work in me, Lord. And I just showed you all the scriptures. I just showed you all the scriptures of what he has to work on. Until you see, you can't prepare yourself. Until you see, you, you, you can't prepare yourself. So Philippians chapter 1 verse 8. 
knowledge and discernment. I haven't gone through them yet. I just went through the first one. I just showed you all the foundations and all the principles. And someone would say, uh, Lord, work, work on me, Lord. But they don't know what's going to actually happen in them. And can I tell you something? It's better in his hands than it is in my hands. Something to think about. Why so many people resist his plan and his purpose? Because they don't know the area that he has to work on. And what's the greatest enemy out of all this teaching? What is the greatest enemy? Worry. Worry allows to control your life. So when you start to fast and pray, the first thing he starts to touch is that area. And then you have faith only to guide you. Is he going to look after me? Am I protected? They're all for the future. You've already looked into the future and defeated yourself. It's true. But I'm just showing you that it's not money that allowed you to love money. It's worry. And worry looks like a healthy thing. Money looks like a, a stable thing for you. But, but outside of Christ, it will destroy you. Because it will block you from his plan and his purpose. Please, I want you to see this. So when you see the love of God, quickly reflect. Love produces knowledge discernment. You may approve the things that are excellent. I haven't gone through them yet. I will go through them. That you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ being filled with righteousness. So each one has a principle to produce the love of God in you. So yes, we have, we have a lot of work to do inside of our hearts. But can I tell you something? It's worth it. You know why? Because that's your life. That's your life. The greatest thing the greatest thing is seeing the very thing that's blocking you from moving forward. Isn't it interesting that worry is the greatest enemy? You know, worry even prevents you from giving to the Lord. Am I going to have enough for myself? It attacks every aspect of your journey. And guess what happens? When you don't hear from the Holy Spirit to be a blessing for others, when you don't hear, you stop hearing the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit knows that you're operating worried, the voice doesn't come for you to be a blessing to others. Isn't that right? But I'm just showing you how you withhold your life from Christ. Worry is the greatest enemy. So when I heard God's voice, you give? I know. Another part of me is given to Christ. It's not about the blessing that I gave. It's not about the amount that I gave. Another part of me is given to Christ. Something that you need to know. So you begin to see the effects of worry. Now, you go home and reflect upon it. Think about it. Don't be rational to say, ah, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Just think about it. Think about it. Where, 
What has worry done to me? And how has it prevented me from moving forward in the plans and the purpose of God? Now, if Jesus says don't worry, he means it. But there's also an enemy that tells you that you need to secure and you need to control your life. And you see the two enemies, the two giants that wage war against. I'm just showing you the first condition, the first condition and the first enemy that, the first enemy that lays the foundation for you just to take a step and say, Lord, I'm willing, worry, worry. So love by itself is not true. Yes, the foundation of love is Christ on the cross. Yes. There's many other foundations that follow that what sets you up for his coming. All the New Testament apostles, disciples, they spoke what? Very rarely. They only spoke about the cross for identity. Now they speak about Jesus' return, that you may be be prepared and be blameless before him on his coming. Isn't that true? They speak about Jesus for identity, that your sins are forgiven, now you move on. Now, he, now they all talk about the coming of the Lord, the coming of the Lord, the coming of the Lord. And that's what we prepare for, prepare for as believers now, the coming of Christ. And imagine you didn't prepare in the right way. This is something to take back and reflect and begin to ask the Holy Spirit to help you in these aspects. Amen. So, I will be speaking about the next foundation of what does knowledge mean when it comes to loving God and you start to see every aspect coming into it. And it's good because I already got the teaching. And it's such an amazing foundation where you start to locate every area where you're walking and you start to focus on that growth. But knowledge, uh, knowledge and discernment, you start to see what you are to discern against or what you need knowledge against. And you say, well, I, I never saw it like that. And this is now to empower us so we can mature. It's a teaching. This is a teaching for you to see. Now, the last couple of months, I've only been teaching for you to see the, how you filter it, how you, how you digest it is up to you. I'm just giving you the ability to see your own heart, your own mind, and your own walk. Okay? So bless you all. And thank you. We'll pray now. Now it's so subtle, it's so subtle because every person, every person who gathered for himself, every person who gathered for himself was founded. No, just change the music.
every person, every person who gathered for himself was produced with something so subtle, worry. And worry blocks you from laying down your life for Christ. I have to express that to you. Because the greatest battle we have, or the greatest giant we have, like Goliath that I preached, is the giant of worry. And the premeditated thought, am I going to be safe? Is God going to look after me? Can I come all in? Is the very thing that the enemy attacks you with. That's why day by day we are to walk. So love has many branches today. Thank the Lord Jesus that you can go home and reflect upon it and study. And it's a good journey. But isn't it interesting that before we even take that step, we've got the giant of worry to deal with. And he says, you're more valuable than the birds. They haven't stored They haven't planned where they're going to get their next meal from. Jesus provides for them. So his plan and his purpose, or the first purpose of his plan and his, and his purpose is to take worry from you. So you start to fast and pray and worry will begin to surface in many areas or many aspects and just be sure that you recognize the Holy Spirit that is actually beginning to work in you Jesus is your security this is something that you are to hold on to Jesus is your only security not the blessings that he gives but himself as his your security Thank you, Jesus. I pray, Father, and I worship you, Lord. I give you all the glory. Thank you for your truth, Lord, that has entered our hearts. Thank you for your love that has many layers and many strings that connect us to your heart. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that every principle that every foundation is birthed in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray you teach us wisdom. You teach us discernment. You teach us knowledge of how to love you further and how to fellowship with you further. Thank you for your truth that gives us a vision of what we are to work on and what we are to be strengthened in. I worship you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. We praise your holy name. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here with us. And you bring freedom to people's hearts. Strengthen them today. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah to your name. We love you so much, Lord. The Holy Spirit's coming to you now. He is God, the Holy Spirit. He wants to be worshipped. He wants to be praised. He wants to be heard. He doesn't want you to, to grieve the Holy Spirit. 
He doesn't want you to hurt him. Thank you, Lord. I pray, Father, that they can witness your protection. They can witness you as their security. Thank you, Lord. I pray for anyone here that has a troubled mind, that has a mind that's troubled, or that has a foggy mind, or a mind under attack. If that's you, you put your hand on your head, please. Thank you, Jesus. If you're under attack in your mind or your thoughts, put your hand on your head, please. We thank you, Jesus. I declare them washed in their mind by the power of the Holy Spirit. Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. Every instrument or agent or demon that you would use to attack their minds or their thoughts or their circumstance or their situation, I bind you today in the name of Jesus Christ. I command you to leave now. I pray for the spirit of heaviness to be lifted off them in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Every situation that looks dim, every situation that has looked like it's closed in the name of Jesus Christ, you open a door that no man can shut. I pray for that door spiritually to open now. Amen. There are people here that are attacked in their mind. If that's you, you come up, please. I saw many then, more than one, there's many young girls that are intact in their mind. You just come here and I pray for you. And whoever else is under attack in their mind, we pray for breakthrough today and we pray for his plan and his purpose to be manifested in you. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. There are people here, young people that are attacked in their minds. Can I share something with you after prayer? Please be wise to go and reflect on God's truth every day and feed yourself with truth. Be wise to worship and pray to Him. Be wise to close those doors. Don't allow yourself to be a victim again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. No. Yeah. 